Welcome to another chapter of In the Keep Podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherlode. This show is all about the world of arena first-person shooters, classic FPS games, their legacies, their lineage, and the people who keep that world turning. These are the players, the developers, the streamers, the influencers. It is the will of the drowned god, Cathala, that our communities band together in her cathedral to frag and give one another into oblivion for all eternity. Happy Halloween, motherfuckers. If you haven't already, I think this episode will come out on the 29th, so you have like a couple more days to submit your pictures for the Caco Lantern contest, that is a jack o' lantern that looks like a Caco demon, or you know whatever the fuck you want, it doesn't matter. It's just all about having fun. Uh, go to the Discord page, hashtag Caco Lantern contest, and submit your pictures there. Super fun. Have a good time, and hopefully we'll be able to throw you a little something, something if you win. That said, want to say thank you to all of our supporters, in particular a few patrons. I want to say hey to Dots. Love you. Nationwide, Moose, fucking love you, man. Paul, we love you. Zach, we love you. You guys are all super awesome, and you are what keeps this uh, podcast uh, financially viable and able to be produced. So thank you very much for doing that. You have pleased the drowned god, Katala. Please continue to do so. Anyone else there uh, who wants to support the show, you have several options to do so. Obviously, there's Patreon. We have our tipping page, which you can just drop tips into or whatever, which all, all the money goes back into the community. It's not just for like for us to make money. It's for us to make the podcast better, to make our production for streams better, to provide prize pools, any tournaments that we end up doing, that kind of thing. All goes to the community. And also we have the Amazon affiliate link, which you can just go buy shit on Amazon through that link. It doesn't cost you anything extra. Whatever you buy will be, you know, like a small percentage of it will be kicked back to us. So you don't lose anything out of that. That's a really good way to do it. All that available on our website, inthekeep.com. Go check it out. Also, there are all of our episodes from the past and links to different ways to listen to the episode and our Twitch and uh, you know all that fucking social media shit. It's whatever. It Inthekeep.com. You know what you're doing. You're smart. I believe in you. Also, want to make a, an announcement that we do have the Keep t-shirts on Redbubble available for purchase at this time. So... We've not yet reached our goal to buy a bunch of them and stock up and then, you know, give them out to people, you know, or sell them from our unit. But I think Redbubble is a viable option. We're going to try it out. Uh, we've not yet reached the goal to actually get all of, you know, the bulk. But when we do, which hopefully this will be part of, we will then give all you Patreons your free shirts that we promised you. It will happen. But for now, 1999 USD on Redbubble. Go get your the keep t-shirt and hopefully you enjoy that as much as I enjoy mine, which I think mine currently is the only one in existence. All right, now let's talk about this interview. Our guest this week is Havericks. He is an esports journalist for quake.cz dedicated to providing uh, all this really cool statistical information, especially about quake champions at this point. Quake.cz has been covering quake since the beginning, pretty much uh, they've always covered it. And Havericks actually took over during the heyday of Quake 4, so we're going to hear a little bit about that. And he's now covering the Quake Pro League on an international scale, like, a lot, all the time. It's kind of like, 
holy shit, this guy's doing a lot of crazy work, like monitoring everything and keeping track of all these stats, which you can see on his website. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the state of the QPL, uh, the modernization of esports, how he gets his information, which is pretty crazy. Like he's done a lot of wacky traveling and uh, I'll let him tell that story. <laughs> and also just like uh, who are our favorite Quake players and discussing Quake in general. It's a really fun interview and I had a great time talking to him. So I hope you do too. Music this week is by Immorpher. He makes some of the most awesome dark ambient music out there. You can hear him on the latest episode of QuakeCast and you can go check his shit out on Bandcamp. Without any further ado, let's get in the key with Havericks. So my name is Havericks, and I'm father of three little girls, <laughs> co-owner of pharmacy, and uh, yeah, gamer and Quaker for ages. Ages. And ages. I'm taking ages and ages. It's like yeah. 20 years or so. And uh, yeah, I'm taking care about uh, Quake CZ, which is, uh, I believe I can say it, uh, like oldest uh, Quake dedicated server in the world right now. <laughs> Still running because most of the, let's say, old times web are not in the work anymore. I mean, uh, Clown Base and GGL and other are basically that or working on the forum or not mainstream base. Yeah, it's a, mo- most of the sites are kind of like dedicated to their particular game. You know, you'll have like okay. QuakeWorld.nu is just QuakeWorld and never is never going to move on to the other Quakes, which it, it shouldn't. It should preserve the game it wants to. But what I've always, uh, when I say always, I mean like since I became aware of it recently. But as you yeah. showed me through like the history of you know, Quake.cz, uh, it's always kind of like moved to the current, like w- the esports side of things. Like what what is popular going on? What are the newest players doing? The stats, everything, and that's a really important information to have archived, in my opinion. It is, and that's why I admire uh, Quake World community in general because they are doing amazing job with uh, their Wikipedia, with uh, players' information, mm-hmm. and if you are trying to find info that is 15 years old you can go there and you will find it and this is i think the strongest community in quake in general that we had because because the guys that are uh, dedicated to quake world they 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 doing amazing job they are working on the quake itself as a game yep and they are working amazingly on the information and keeping the community alive and you can imagine that uh, most of the guys are like 35 40 years old so they are they are uh, hardcore fans of the of the game. Yeah, so old as fuck. Amazing. Yeah, it's okay. Le- BPS is old as fuck. You can say that. That's fine. Yeah, I don't know how old is he, <laughs> but know, like a hundred and eight or something. He's an old crusty. <laughs> no. So he was he he was here before the quake even real uh, were created, and we can discuss that he may be. By his will, created this game. Yes, so he sure. can own it. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> and uh, the history of Quake it actually was about uh, gaming in general when it was founded in uh, 1996, and it was covering all the games from Quake, uh, which was released to other shooters and other stuff. 
And that trend you mentioned about uh, going with, uh, let's say, with flow is uh, recently, and it's because of my person, because I, I kind of uh, love Quake 4 when it was released and right. it was uh, fourth generation of the website that uh, actually, when th that was the moment when I joined uh, Quake uh, community on my current position. We can call it chief editor or whatever. But usually as the community in uh, Czech was always small, it was it was mostly about the single persons that were taking care about uh, each title from the Quake. So I continued with Quake Champions because, because uh, we find out that Quake 4 was not kind of successful as everybody was expected because it was released as a single player. Yeah. And uh, Q4 Max and... Uh, but it was Battle 5 or something, Battle FX or something like that, the other modification. So uh, they were trying to, to make it esports, but uh, yeah, I think that they succeeded just partially because yeah. Quake 4 in general was not that ready for the for the esports. So I have I had uh, big hopes for the Quake Champions when it was released, and yeah, because my kids were bit older and I have time, I decided let's do something for the Quake Champions. So that's why we are right now um, taking care about uh, Quake Pro League and that we are trying to make the informations that I think should be part of the coverage, not by community, but the, but the Bethesda or its software yeah. themselves. Because if they want to make something big and we have, we have, uh, let's say 20 players that pledge whole year to this competition, I, I believe they deserve this kind of uh, spotlight on them. For sure. So, yeah. That's one of the so, cool things about like QuakeChampions.cz in particular is uh, you go on there and you look at the player stats, like it's very beautifully laid out and everything. Like each match, every week it's been updated. Uh, yeah. And I just like the layout in general. It looks beautiful. It's very readable. And even, you know, I just click the translate button and bam, English, like cool. But uh, it should be in English, man. It, but, it does. Uh, but the truth is that uh, I'm not quite sure about the level of English I'm presenting over there. <laughs> yeah. It's so, all good. But I, yeah, I'm trying. Google, Google's got your back, man. But yeah, it's okay. it's beautiful. Another thing that's really interesting is I don't know if you're actually traveling around doing this stuff or if you're doing it remotely. But the, like the halftime shows that I've seen you kind of do with like like sh sort of short interviews with the pro players are really cool too. Uh, yeah, uh, because we have that uh, one week off because mm -hmm. the issues at uh, at face it. Uh, I decided to go to reach to the players and do this kind of interviews. Yeah, and that's actually what uh, I'm trying to prepare for stage two. So uh, if I tell you what's going on through my mind is uh, I'm preparing uh, to go to Luca mm -hmm. and I'd like uh, to open the discussion with the guys, with uh, John and with uh, Tokyo uh, to do some kind of, let's say closer cooperation because we, we created tools that is able to uh, dump all the file, uh, all the information for the matches from the from the stats that are right now on the on the stats.quake.com, so we are able to uh, download those datas 
put it, put it into our database and make all those all those statistics that I'm uh, right now making by hand. Uh, we can make this automatically. So it will open uh, more space to do uh, interview with players mm -hmm. and do more of this stuff because right now everything is done as a let's say after work hobby. You know, I can spend some time in my office to do this and uh, my, uh, let's say after hours when kids are sleeping, I can spend this time doing this. But if you spend most of the time uh, counting each player, then, you know, there is no space for other activities, which I would love to do because I think that, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, that spotlight should be on the players and uh, they, they are the main star of the community. And this is what uh, I believe should be the main goal. That stats should be like something that is part of the uh, coverage from from base, and it's automatic, automated. Right. The procession of that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you see that in all professional sports, especially in America, with like football, yeah. and baseball, and everything. Like, if you want like yeah. honest to goodness real coverage, like the stats are everything. It's there's an entire career field in just monitoring sports stats, and yeah yeah it's like i i wasn't i was never a fan of the stats but uh once i tried to uh process the matches that were presented uh from week to week i said yeah let's let's do it it could, it could be fun to do this because uh you can see it's it's uh, kind of crazy how the uh, performance of each player differs from the arena they are playing usage of the weapons and you have players that are uh built just on the LG, for example. There are, there are people that can literally shoot thousands of bolts uh, during the match. Yeah, That's crazy. And then you see players that have like yeah, 200 uh, shots out of LG. And still he have amazing performance and he's doing great. So uh, I think that uh, these stats can be interesting for uh, fans and also for the players as well, because it can help them to uh, make uh, better tactics and other stuff. I don't know if this is something that players actually want, to be honest. It's like, yeah, I will show everybody what you are built of. But yeah, then again, we can do this. And uh, I believe that uh, guys from uh, Face It uh, have linked to every match that was played and they can do this like by clicking, you know? So this, this should be part of the coverage, I think, by default. You do, you see, um players that kind of like specialize in a certain technique or a certain weapon and then they they sort of get robotic and we didn't really see that start to take off until fatality came on the scene and like way back into the quake three days but quake three sort of changed the way that quake was played and in, in every way uh we don't see as much weapon denial anymore uh in in modern quake games or from basically from quake three on we see a lot more people mm -hmm. that you're able to you know whatever weapon you want to get a hold of generally speaking you can and then a lot of people are like you know, incredible, as you said, with the LG or incredible with uh, the railgun and things like that. And then you yeah. have like, I, I remember uh, quite a while back early when I started the podcast to talk to Cygib about this because he's, he was a big team player. You know, he played team mm -hmm. games and that's not really the case. You know, they they have to kind of use the weapons that are made available to them in the situation. It's not as easy to just run around and pick shit up. So you'll have players like him who are extremely dynamic and can be good with basically any weapon. I remember, uh, I think it was PGL 2018. We, we just suddenly saw a, a whole bunch of players become really good with the tribal of all things for some reason. Mm. And, uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I think 
I'm sorry to interrupt you. It's like no. I'm really surprised that uh, tribot is kind of underused because the way you can cover all the all the hallways with it is is amazing. So yeah, I think that there are still a lot of things that people uh, will find out about the game, about the champions and about about using of the weapons. And for example, I was really surprised last week when Rafa started to use shotgun, and it was it was crazy how much damage he can deal. And uh, I tried uh, on uh, corrupted keep. Yeah. When you are just flying around the map and you just turn around, shoot the shotgun, deal damage, and you basically are unstoppable from the enemy because uh, you make the uh, like instant damage. So it's really crazy map because there is no railgun. P- uh, people are using uh, LG at most, mm-hmm. but then a lot of use of machine gun. And then when you see Rafa with shotgun, it's crazy. It's like... He can do, yeah. <laughs> ne- and never, ne- nobody did it before. But you check week one to week seven, there was like, okay, we have shotgun, so we fire it because we don't have another weapon. But then uh, Rafa started to use it uh, on last... Uh, percentage of time i don't know how to uh, say it properly so i'm sorry if i'm butchering no, english you did. but uh yeah so so there's a there's a shift we we are uh, right now following and it's all thanks to, to format of uh, quake pro league because you have week to week matches and it's uh, as i said for the one year event so we used to call that the rafa special where he just like <laughs> he's so good at that you'll see him do it on molten falls i, I believe there was a really good match uh i can't remember who he was playing against but he, he does that where he'll just pop out a shotgun he he knows exactly the moment when it's necessary and that's what a lot of uh you know it, obviously everyone but him probably struggles with he's the he's the best uh i think objectively or yeah. we'll see at the end of the pro league but yeah uh, he's always been very good at um knowing exactly what weapon to use in exactly what situation. And for a lot of people, they become, you know, comfortable using basically three weapons. And yeah. and occasionally, like, a machine gun will come out and everything. But Rafa, uh, he, he never forgets that he has everything in his repertoire, it appears. I played against Rafa once. Mm-hmm. It was in Quake 4, and it ended up, like, 41-1. to 1. It was part of the QuakeCon quad damage tournament where uh, I traveled, so... I still love that experience. If it was good or bad, I don't know, but uh, it was really, really fast. So I, uh, then we played Monsoon, and it was I was just respawning for 10 minutes. Respawn, kill, respawn, kill. <laughs> and when you look back on it from his puff, it's, yeah, everything is so obvious what he, he, does, what he does and how he's covering the uh, map. It's crazy, crazy experience. Both QuakeCon and this matches for me. I really enjoy kind of watching videos of myself playing against someone who's infinitely better than me like that. (laughs) Because even when I go back and watch the VOD, I still don't understand how they do what they do. Like, I I get it. Like, yeah, obviously I'm fucking up. That's that's clear. So you'll see these guys that just like they've memorized every spawn and they'll stand up on a ledge somewhere and just watch down, especially in like uh, like Warfork and, and Quake 1. In particular, like DM4, you go back and watch the VOD. He's just standing in one spot the whole time, and he, he sees where I'm going to spawn. <sighs> boom. All right, well, I'm dead. Boom again. Okay, all right, well, and there was no chance. Like, I, I never had a fucking chance. Yeah, it, in Quake World, it was, uh, that's actually a game when, uh, which brought me to Quake back in uh, 1990. 
whatever, seven, eight, eight, something eight. like that. Yeah, it was a bit later uh, when it was released. I think it was it was at a time when uh, we played Quake World for, I think, a year or two. And then the Quake 3 arrived, so I completely skipped Quake 2. It, it, I never, never like play. Spent a lot of time playing the, this uh, part of the uh, Quake history. So, uh, but uh, you are right that uh, at DM4 you just stand on the on the ledge uh, up the LG and you control whole level. And we spent a lot of time doing this, and it was actually great fun to be part of the community. Back in that days, because there were no esports, everything was about uh, meeting friends and having fun on the lands, and yeah, it was it was it was kind of crazy crazy uh, days in my life. And then you uh, so you you said you went kind of straight into Quake Three. What what inspired you to make the jump, and how did you kind of see it as it happened? Since you are a journalist, uh, yeah. Now I'm journalist, but it's like uh, that journalism is uh, kind of uh, what I love to do. It's not uh, that because I knew uh, I knew that uh, I can't compete on high level. Yeah, because I'm speed junkie. I go into the map and I just enjoy the speed of the game and having fun. So usually I'm lazy to think like like the top players are thinking. Have you seen that? Kilsen uh, video that Red Bull Gaming posted like two days ago or something no. like that. No, it's a Kilsen is uh, on a blood run, and he said, "Yeah, I know what uh, base is doing. He's camping that teleporter, and he's playing Galina. So he just put two totems on the exit of the teleporter, and he's going to hunt him on that lower shield. And then you see he hit the rail, and then explosion of the totems, and base is dead. Match is uh, equal, and they they are going to overtime or something like that. So that's uh, stuff I'm not able to do every time, and I don't care. But I love community and I love uh, the game. So yeah. this is why I'm doing to uh, that uh, that uh, journalism. But uh, originally it was uh, on the high school. And back in the days, uh, there, there were no professional team, obviously. And everything was based from the city to city. So my friends and uh, uh, classmates uh, played Quake World. And they, they built the team and they created the team uh, called the Serial Producers of Telefrax. And it was our first team. And they come to me and they said, you have to uh, have your nickname. So I invented Haverix and it stick with me for that 20 years. What, what, <laughs> and, did, what did the name mean to you? Like, uh, actually, I was, I was kind of desperate to in, uh, invent a nickname. So my father was pharmacist mm -hmm. and uh, I basically continue the family business right now. And at that point, uh, he brings some uh, mouse mat that was part of the merchandise of the one pharmacy company. And actually, this nickname is a rework of one uh, vaccine they use for hepatitis B. So, Holy shit! Yeah, man. <laughs> so this is this is it's actually funny because my kids, as they are growing up, they are uh, right now waiting for uh, their dosage of Havrix. <laughs> so yeah, circle is like closing at this moment. But um, yeah, so because it is a, this crazy nickname, nobody else have it. So. I'm kind of unique in this way mm -hmm. because you see a lot of people use like 
yeah, no, other variants of this nickname, whatever. But uh, yeah, and the switch was because uh, we were really uh, surprised by Quake 3 when it was released because it was a big uh, leap for the FPS gaming. Yeah. Because, because when you compare uh, Quake, Quake World, Quake 2 to Quake 3, it was, it was crazy. And a lot of people from the community actually switched to Quake 3, and it was it was uh, one of the games that uh, back in the days created the Czech uh, gaming associations and uh, big big uh, servers that were covering those uh, this game. Yeah, basically a lot of stuff back in the days was built on Quake 3, StarCraft obviously, and the early versions of Counter Strike. And this is uh, what uh, built a huge business in Czech Republic. Czech Republic was kind of, uh, I believe, jumping over uh, the rest of the surrounding countries in this because there was a huge organization called Pro Gamers, and they uh, hold huge lands with uh, crazy prize money. And a lot of people all around the world traveled to Czech Republic for the events. So it was crazy because... uh, Czech Quakers was always like, it's Quake and we don't care about the rest. But when this company uh, managed to bring uh, players such as Lexer or If22 to Czech Republic, we were crazy about it. So yeah, it was, it was, we are going to play TDM in Quake 3. And that was the decision. And we never looked back, basically. Yeah, it's crazy. Like there's like this disproportionate uh, number or associated with kind of that strong esports culture that's existed. Uh, pretty much my whole life, at least, in uh, Czechia. So, like, there's, you know, Quake.cz is, you know, it, it says the name of the country right there in there, but it's a global website that, like, lots of people fucking visit for whatever. Like, it's so cool that your country has uh, embraced the esports market, much like uh, like South Korea, uh, though they don't really play FPS games nearly as much as the rest of the world. And uh, then- I, I will... I don't dare to compare Czech Republic to Korea, to be honest, no, because no, no. they are on a whole different level. But uh, but uh, I'm really glad that uh, I did make the decision to switch to English and that everybody from around the world can arrive and have all the information they need. That's it. Was in Czech. Everything was in Czech. Yeah. Uh, for for ages, basically, and then then I say, okay, I can do uh, Czech coverage on this level that will be accessible to, let's say, 50 people in our community, or I can do this in English, mm-hmm. and everybody can read it. So I make this decision. I took some flame from, for, for hardcore Czech guys, but I can I can withstand it. So. When I was uh, I was talking to Smango, I, I always talking to him because he's, he's my little bitch, if, if he ever hears this. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> But <laughs> I'm waving to camera. So what you when you say uh, when you say like about switching to English and how you said earlier how you're kind of like oh I don't know how what the quality of English that I'm putting out is. To be fair to you, uh, QuakeFans.net is written by a guy from Kentucky, so he barely <laughs> speaks English. Like English is it's his English far worse than yours. To be fair. <laughs> Thank you. No. Nah. No, I, I love you, Sanga. Yeah. You're my man. Kiss, kiss. Um, yeah. And then you moved. So you <laughs> moved, moved again to Quake 3. 
that was a really interesting transition because it kind of like entirely changed the way that the game was played. You no longer, uh, we, I mentioned a little bit earlier, like you no longer saw a lot of weapon denial going on. It was much more, uh, people are going to say forever until the end of time, there's going to be this argument versus like balance versus what should be or what makes for a better game. Uh, Quake 3 and on became more palatable to the public as an eSport because it's easier uh, to get a hold of when you first start. Uh, mm. as, as opposed to getting into a Quake World or a Quake 2 match and just getting fucking demolished like 97 to 3 or whatever uh, forever. So uh, you, you saw a different a change in the weapons. Uh, you saw a change, especially in the armor system and in the timings of mm. items. You no longer had the, uh, you know, the wait till your opponent goes below a certain level to pick up Mega. You saw... Uh, the system we still use to this day, as far as I understand it, is like the 66.6% armor shard system as opposed to an armor hmm. suit system, which honestly, I prefer uh, the old way. That's just me. But hmm. um, but but it makes it a more palatable esport, and we, we saw that continue and grow over time, and you guys have covered it pretty, pretty much every step of the way. You said that you kind of took over at Quake 4. Hmm. Okay, so yeah. how, how much uh, were you able to... Well, were you covering Quake Four just in Europe, or were you covering like the American esports scene at the time? It was it was kind of a strange situation for me because uh, I took uh, Quake CZ uh, after Guy, who was a fanatic into Quake mm -hmm. Three, especially uh, engine wise, because he was programmer, and we stay in contact. And uh, yeah, I took uh, I basically did everything in the uh, in check. So it was uh, we covered uh, all the events that were that were uh, global, but uh, all the information were in the Czech language. And at the time, uh, ES Reality was working, uh, GGL was working in America. They took over clan base. For for two years or what they were trying to uh, continue that uh, legacy of uh, clan-based Euro Cups and uh, all the all the big tournaments, and we did try to do something for the Czech region, and uh, with with the guy who was uh, owner before me, we hyped ourselves. We have to go to QuakeCon to uh, visit uh, the event and visit uh, its software. And so we did. In 2007, we decided to go to QuakeCon, and it was it was a blast for me. It was actually a great experience. And uh, we took like four days of the QuakeCon, and then we took vacation. We traveled to, down to uh, Mexico Bay, basically, and we visit its software studios. We were almost put into jail on our first arrival to uh, its software studios, which I'm not proud of, but it was kind of hilarious because we were really hyped about, about all the situation. And we met, uh, I believe it was Robert Duffy uh, going to his job and we jumped out of the car and kind of surprised him. So the security officer came out and uh, then we find le legal way how to how to get uh, into the studios itself and uh, Marty Stratton actually and took us uh, through the studios we have some great photos and great memories of that so yeah. I don't know yeah so uh, yeah so with Adam Pyle and 
it was funny because uh, at that point they were uh, starting to build Quake Life, and because Quake Four did not succeed, so at that point I was I was trying to tell them you have to support the community, you make all the tools available to us, so we can build upon the game, because that's something that always happened with Quake title, even when Quake Three was released that they start to build upon upon uh, the game itself and the orange do you remember osp orange smoothie production i wasn't around but yeah go ahead yeah so uh basically uh every quake released got uh, some kind of modification mm-hmm. that was uh making it more uh playable and uh more let's say understandable to players and audience so that what was that what we were trying to kind of tell them to do and you know how how it resulted but yeah well so we th- th- at that point we were just a local website but then clan base uh, got shut down and the guys uh, from our community decided to run quake nations cup and then it was international basically we took like i don't know it was maybe uh 50 national teams to play uh in quake nation cup and they played in quake world quake 2 quake 3 and quake 4 uh, all at the one time so we have admins that uh, took care about each of the title and we hold quake uh, quake nation cup for all the games for two years and there are some amazing uh, after movies uh, because there are a lot of uh, skillful guy in in our community that did uh, amazing movies there are some players that uh, make it to the top level chrisa for example i think it's like uh, most successful player from our our nation so yeah so that's what we try to do and then i decided to travel more for the uh, to visit the events that were mainly in Europe, DreamHack, ESWC, Intel Extreme Masters in Kiev. And it kind of basically gets stuck in uh, four years yeah. that I spent on the travelings and doing interviews with the with the top players from Quake 3 at the time or Quake Live. And I had a blast, but then I kind of get uh, burnt out because because uh, it was demanding both on time and money, and usually I never get paid for what I do. And I didn't need it, but I decided that it's time to kind of uh, cut all the stuff out because there were there there were more activities I did uh, concerning uh, esports team and other stuff. We basically were trying to get uh, eSport into national television, which we succeeded. I was uh, one of the faces that uh, bring the news to uh, public. And uh, it was really demanding. So I kind of cut cut off the community. And I get back after that three kids grown up. So it's like come back after, let's say, four years when I started to do that fifth generation of uh, Quake CZ you see right now. And we decided to do uh, do it on our own domain 
that's why you are linked to Quake Champions .cz. But the original is like Quake CZ, and we are trying to finish that website to the point when we are really happy about it, and then we will put it back to uh, to the original domain. There's just technical issues. We were, we were trying to solve like directly to have it on our website. Let's let's back it up a little bit here. So you, I don't know how you weaseled your way into all this shit. So you, you, essentially, what you're telling me is that you talked your way into id software mm -hmm. <laughs> during the development of Quake Live. You went mm -hmm. back to Europe. You you went to all these cons and everything. You're running the website. You're running all these tournaments, and then you somehow figured out a way to get on national television. Yeah. Uh, and I, I saw the video that you sent me. Uh, it was interesting. I didn't understand a fucking word you guys were saying, but it's, you're on national TV, international mm. TV, with this beautiful yeah. woman. I don't know what the fuck she was saying, but she was very beautiful. And yeah, she's better. I will tell her that you love her. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Mrs. Motherload will probably come kick my ass. But, um, my life as well, so <laughs> let's, let's, let's cut it out, man. <laughs> funny. Uh, it, it, no, but it is a funny situation. Like, you... Yeah. The the power of your your passion for this game and for this community like kind of got took you to a lot of really interesting places. Uh, mm -hmm. So you you get on TV. What what is it you guys were like trying? What was the message you were trying to get across to the audience at that point? Uh, back at that time, we were trying to basically educate the audience because mm -hmm. uh, I it's like wild uh, comparison, but uh, when you see slasher at Fox and CNN doing his uh, promotion and uh, like insights for the for the for all the happenings in the esports this is exactly what we are trying to do but uh, main difference is that uh, he is doing that on the television that is worldwide and he is able to send that message i can argue if he's doing the right job in his uh, way, how he's promoting the esports, but thanks God that we are there and that we see people from inside the community, especially Slasher that grew up with Quake. And I'm I met her, him on several occasion uh, on the on the events, and I, I I love the guy. So it's like, who am I to uh, tell him that he should be like more uh, to the topic, you know, to cut the shit and get straight to the, to the to the business but that was what we were trying to do we were trying to say yeah there is esport uh there are there are a lot of money in it and there are a lot of people that are dedicated to uh do esports and do esports from both uh, spending their time to play it on high level and to uh basically I don't want to say exploit, but find every mean possible that the game is offering for them to dominate in the game. And then there are huge productions that are spending their times uh, to make best possible coverage. And this, this, that was the message. But uh, we had issue in that uh, uh, in that particular show. It was uh, like pre-recorded. Pre so it was really uh, hard for us to make sure that we deliver the information on time. So this is one of the reasons why I think that uh, television as a medium for esports, it uh, shouldn't be like main goal. 
because we have better way how to uh, cover the events mm -hmm. via Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, whatever, streaming, Mixer, for example, to deliver the message to the uh, to the people. And also the audience is like used to uh, watch uh, the show on computer and uh, to watch the streams. So it's like, yeah, it's it, it sounds good that you can make it uh, to television, but it shouldn't be like main goal, I think. No, yeah, television's and, an awful way to get yeah. a point across, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, especially like you're trying to sell something to an audience that doesn't give it. They didn't tune in for this. They don't give a shit about this, you know, or, yeah. or like politics even. It's just people yelling at each other, talking heads and all that shit. Like television's... <laughs> Fucking awful way to distribute information. I think long form uh, podcasts are the best way, or you know, pro <laughs> some sort of proper journalism. But we've seen so yeah, many instances like that. Yeah, especially when you are speaking about in the key yeah. best of the best ways how to do the podcast. Yeah, I think so. The, but yeah, I agree. I agree, man. <laughs> the uh, there's so many instances of people trying to go on TV to talk about esports, especially back in the day when it was sort of an unknown factor to the vast majority of the world. Now it's very mainstream. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Like And it, Fortnite <laughs> help it a lot. Yeah, I, I, I hate to say that, but it's true. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people just accept that gaming is part of the culture now. Back then, you see like Machiavelli or whatever going on TV or, you know, any anyone really. And it's very rare that you get a player or a developer who's also a cogent speaker it's like almost better to send someone like you in who's like uh you you know you're, mm -hmm. you're used to talking and thinking about this in broad terms because uh you know there are definitely players and developers like fucking all the way back to john romero who are very comfortable being you know speaking in front of people and being a, mm. a character uh but a lot of players I, really... go ahead yeah i'm sorry i'm no, no, no. again jumping to your speech and uh, it's like I think that this is one of the mistakes that uh, it software did back in the days that yeah. they cut off John Romero because he was so fucking into that match that if he was uh, somehow able to uh, push it forward, then Quake would be maybe someone somewhere else. Because for me, it's kind of uh, hard to admit that uh, because I went through the peak of let's say golden age of Quake Three because. Back in the days, there were nothing else, and the quake was. We had amazing numbers when it, when DJ Weed started to do his uh, shoutcast and all the other stuff. Tospot, for example, Zoo, and other 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 guys that spent a lot of time trying to deliver uh, and cover those events. And that was the golden age when everything was about three games, basically StarCraft which Korea mastered, basically, and uh, Counter-Strike that developed through through several instances to CSGO, which we follow now, and Quake. Those three games were, like, true eSport. And all, every one... All loosely based on the Quake engine. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see StarCraft on Quake Engine. <laughs> <laughs> but that we can we can we can say that Blizzard basically stole the technology from uh, Westwood and that uh, all the all the stuff went uh, from uh, June 2, which was one of the first game I ever played on PC. 
<laughs> and that I loved. So, yeah. But we are not here to speak about Blizzard, which is almost dead right now. So, <laughs> why we should kick the dead body man? Yeah. So, and right now, what we are trying to do is like to make just the coverage for the people that are uh, in love with the quake, because mm -hmm. I believe that there are a lot of people here that are actually waiting for, let's say, other other titles that they believe uh, could uh, push arena shooters on higher levels mm. and higher audience. But uh, personally, I don't believe that it's possible because if there is anybody who have um, and abilities to push arena shooters forward, then it is uh, Bethesda and its software. So that's why I believe in Quake and Quake Champions, if it is properly handled in the future. I don't want to try to get you to say anything that would compromise your position, um, go, you know, getting information out of certain people. So feel free at any point to just zip it and don't worry about it. But it's like I have I'm I'm uh, no in position that I should compromise anything or anybody could compromise me because I'm doing this as a hobby yeah and because I love to do it that's that's only motor I have so yeah Same. so I I'm I, I can speak freely and I believe that uh, even my let's say partial connection to uh, Razor is not uh, something that should uh, kind of make barricade to me to speak freely. Because we are not speaking about Hong Kong, man. This podcast is brought to you by <laughs> Razor Headsets. No. <laughs> I wish. Maybe someday. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Maybe we can do some kind of, uh, let's say, um, competition or raffle with us It'd be together. Fun. I don't know. I have something here <laughs> we can do. <laughs> So the reason I say all that is because I, I, I know that there are some non-disclosure agreements floating around uh, the, the Bethesda crew ab about Quake and things like that. There's people uh, I, who cannot I, I didn't. Mm, I believe so. Yeah. It was, it was kind of hard for me uh, at the beginning coverage on Quake CZ to get to some information because uh, I say Tokyo help, help a lot. Uh, zero four as well, and also guys from Face It at the end when they see the scale, I'm trying to push the information. Mm. So everybody was open, but uh, yes, it's like I don't know anything that could compromise anybody or any anything regarding the quake. So that's my position. I'm just the I'm just the guy who is desperate for information and that is trying to uh, make his life uh, easier with uh, having that access maybe to yeah. certain information. Because uh, again, I can spend my time doing interviews with players or uh, trying to make uh, something that will be more interesting uh, for audience and also for the players, because uh, I don't know, most of the players in Quake Pro League are not in the team. Yeah. but. It's like 50% or something like that. But uh, the guys that are in team, it's uh, one of the jobs they should do is promote themselves and their team. So why I should put, uh, let's say, 
20 hours a week into statistics if I can put it into the promotion of the players and uh, promotion of the game in general. And I believe that also players should be uh, interested to spread the world uh, about, about uh, what's going on in the Quake. Because you see, you do, you do shoutcast, you have uh, guys like Milton, you have Loktar, you have Rotten Rose, and I believe that everybody in community should uh, click that link, uh, retweet it, forward it, and spread the word that something is going on in the community. Yeah. Because, because at that moment, the community is alive. There are just few sources of the informations, and everyone, every single one of them should be highlighted, pushed forward. This is what I believe. Because when, when community said it's, it's dead game, and I don't care anymore, then it became true. But, you know, back in the days, when you uh, want to bring some information to the community, everybody should uh, had to be uh, signed to that website. And any, any mean of communication was uh, through comments mm. at news. Now we are living in the age of social media and all that lazy bastards have to do is click that button to forward the news, to forward your podcast, to forward Shazik interviews that are amazing as well. And maybe if they, if they want, uh, let's say my links, but it's like, you can't force it out of the people, but I believe that uh, the main, main mindset should be, I want this uh, game to be alive yeah. and I want it to thrive. And I want to show all the guys from its software that are fighting for Quake Champions to be successful, that it's worth uh, of time and investment of the money. Because also Zoot said that uh, it's kind of expensive to make all the production. And I can believe it because uh, if uh, those shoutcasters or uh, guys are traveling each week to London, then you have to pay for the tickets for accommodation, and when I see how much it could cost for Luca, for example, to get there, then you know that uh, that there are some serious money invested in this in this business. Yeah. So I believe that everybody from the community should be trying to help it, and just the click that button is easiest way they can do it, and they can imagine how much uh, audience they can reach all together. If everybody from the 2000 uh, viewers of Quake Champions uh, on Sunday forward or retweet that uh, information about the stream, I believe we can hit 5000 people. I believe that we have this, uh, this uh, strength in our community because Quakers are everywhere. The guys that we drank together and have fun on the lands 20 years ago, for example, just in the Czech Republic are politicians right now. They are doctors, they are uh, flight engineers. So, and th these people make the connection back in the days. And you can't imagine if all, everybody that make his way from, the, from that core of the quake could spread the world, how, how much power there it is in quake community. That's what I believe.
I believe and that I'm missing too, man. I just yeah. uh I'll also try to respect the fact that people are constantly bombarded with information. Like so Yeah. You know, it's realistically speaking, people most people have like a you know, a Discord server or like some kind of IRC or chat room or a website mm-hmm. that they subscribe to and they get most of their news from that that particular place. And then mm-hmm. there it, all the other stuff that they see kind of goes through like a filter of like how yeah. they, they see it. They only have a certain attention span. They're going to dedicate to it and they may or may not like it, or they may or may not mm-hmm. even notice it or wa- think it's worth their time. And I respect that a hundred percent. I do it all the time. I like, I don't fucking have time to read every article and every video mm-hmm. and like watch every fucking TV show on Netflix or any of that shit. Like I, I who does? Uh, so you, you do have to kind of like figure out what's worth your time. Um, I mm-hmm. hope that over time, and maybe not today or tomorrow, maybe this will be the episode. I don't know. Um, people will hear, you know, like I'll, my work will speak for itself, and in the keep will become something that's a little bit more viable. But for now, I I don't do it because I need money. It's like it's not a money thing. It it pays for itself now. The the audience has kind of come through at least a core group, and they're like it's paid for. Um, mm-hmm. What's amazing is that I get to kind of use this format to talk to people like you that are people that I find genuinely interesting and to spread, as you said, the word of our community, because it's not hard. It's not hard to, um, if you are passionate about Quake to just make sure that you let other people know and you don't have to be forceful about it, as you said, and it's everyone. It's, it's the the amount of different career fields that I hear about when I talk to other people who play Quake and Doom and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, we're literally everywhere. We're like fight club. Like, and, you know, yeah. all yeah. sneaking past you at all times and you don't even know we're there. We come in, we yeah. got bloody noses and, you know, we don't have that part of it. Maybe we have like lines under our eyes from staying up all night playing. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. Yeah. It's like there's, there's a, there's a basically switch you make uh, when you start uh, your family and when you, you have business of your own that uh, you can't do it anymore because you are so fucking tired every night that you just fell into your bed and die, basically. And you respond in the morning and say, yeah, okay, I have the kids to take care about and uh, job I have to do. So yeah, it's, it's, it's like you are right that you can't force um, anybody to do uh, something for community or uh, even notice all the information that are running around but to be honest there are not that much information about quake that's true it's like if you if you if you are part of the community if you if you like it and if you because because we are uh, we are somehow affected by that game obviously you can play any other game with same feelings as you do with Quake. That's that's my example. It's like I tried uh, Painkiller. I tried uh, Warsaw be- be- before it was Workforce or whatever. Warfork. Warfork. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry to misspell it, but uh, I tried, and it wasn't the same feeling I have with uh, Quake Three, Quake Four, or even Quake Champions. I it's a, it's like the, it's similar. But I, I still don't have that feeling I when I had uh, playing 
Quake 3 Arena for 10 years in a row. And also, when you, when you are trying other games, you still tend to compare it to Quake. So that's one of the reasons for me, it's just my opinion, where I, I believe that uh, Diabotical, for example, won't be the game for me because I don't like the style they are trying to uh, present yeah. in general. And they, they can make it open. They can try to uh, succeed in uh, arena shooters. And all the thing they will do is just uh, to transfer players from one game another, because I don't believe that there is a potential to grow this uh, kind of... Uh, game into something bigger you know because nowadays young people play uh, battle royale when you when you see the numbers yeah. everybody is into fortnite there are people trying apex legends because because it's a kind of close to quake movement by its speed and people are playing league of legends dota and these are the games that are uh, right now basically making esports. And Fortnite will be one of the titles that will that will make it to mainstream with because of the mass of the players that are watching it. And arena shooters won't be that genre, but I hope and I believe that uh, we will have still place in some kind of. Um, Esports production level. I don't know how to describe it exactly, but yeah. well, there's. I I see completely what you're saying, and I don't disagree necessarily. But I I would make a few points as to mm-hmm. why I think Diabotical has the potential to be successful and maybe reach a wider audience than just the core arena shooter community right now. It, there are several different reasons why I think the all the other games you named are very popular esports and. Quake Champions is not. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, Quake Champions has some real fucking serious issues uh, engine-wise that are just... A lot of players are going to turn that shit off immediately as soon as they run into that. As soon as they run mm-hmm. into a long queue, uh, they go check the numbers on you know Steam. And Granted, there's definitely a player base for it. Don't get me wrong. and I've, I'm not... Anyone who's trying to stop Quake Champions from being successful, I loved Quake Champions. It is the entire reason why I'm sitting here right now is because Quake mm-hmm. Champions brought me back to Quake, really. Um, mm-hmm. But a game like Diabotical has no gore. Yeah, I get it. You don't like the style. I don't necessarily love that style either. Uh, you know, it's I, I like violence. I like gore and giblets <laughs> everywhere and all that stuff. And that's fine. That, that's good stuff. Uh, you you don't really see that in a lot of these other major esports. If they you, if you want it to be showed on TV or like t- someone's going to approve it being broadcasted to a wider audience, or even just for for parents to like want to let their kid play this, um, I don't hate th- that aspect of Diabotical. And I, I'm not married to Diabotical either. I'm just saying any game like that. So you have that aspect of it. You have the fact that most of these games uh, generally are very dependable and run dependably. Like a lot of players are able to easily access them and play through them. That's what we just saw this happen with Warfork where for years, Warsaw was just like inaccessible and a lot of people know about it. And then bada bing, bada boom, you slap a fresh coat of paint on it. You put it on steam for free. 
all these players start picking it up because like, hey, a cool new free game. They had no fucking idea what arena shooters are, half of them. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. But they're like a free cool game and it works when I play it dependably. Then all of a sudden they're like, hey, how do I strafe jump? How do I bunny hop? How? And then they start asking for tips and things like that. I think there's there is a potential to grow this genre. There's a whole generation of kids out there that are frustrated to fuck with games like Fortnite and the the way that that works, you know. And I'm not I'm not hating, dude. Like if you like battle royales, then play battle royales. I don't give a fuck. But if you're looking for something more challenging, that's a little bit more, uh, you know, in tune with you. If you're an intellectual kid, if you're like 12, 13, 14 years old, and you feel like you're not challenged by the other people around you, or you grew up in a small town or whatever, and you have a decent fucking internet connection you may find your place in Quake. And I think that there's that possibility everywhere. So, mm-hmm. like, there's also the marriage to the Quake IP, which I get it. Uh, You know, it's always been there. Quake is the arena shooter and all that. But I don't give a shit whether or not it's a Quake game or something else. I think mm-hmm. it should... Whatever keeps this community together and alive is what I'm interested in. Yeah, I do understand. And also, uh, as you mentioned, the gore in games. Yeah. Uh, partners nowadays are actually choosing the games that are uh, not violent. So uh, yeah. basically, you, you have partners that want to, that uh, don't want to be, uh, let's say, part of the Counter-Strike, for example, because it's violent. And that's the reason why uh, FIFA, for example, is getting bigger and bigger, because because it's in in. in uh, really interesting for the for a football team or soccer team yeah uh, to be part of the business because uh, they can reach a young audience they have players uh, that uh, f- uh, they are basically free for them because they are used to pay uh, thousands uh, of dollars uh, to their superstars and or millions even so this this is the transition when when the big soccer team are hiring players to yep. play FIFA in their jerseys. Yep. And it's everywhere, starting in Europe. I don't know how the situation is uh, in the US, but in Europe, big teams in Germany, Spain, Italy, Czech Republic, whatever, just name it, have their teams in the in the FIFA competitions. So I believe that, uh, that gore is part of the issue. But then again, as you said, whatever float their boats, you know. I, they're all. They we're always going to have the option to go play the gory games, yeah. and that'll be there. And yeah. I want that to be successful. I'm just saying. I understand the fact that there are moms out there that don't want their kids playing, you know, games with just fucking guts flying everywhere. Like I, I don't like. I don't agree with it, but I understand where it comes from, and I am fine with losing that. For instance, we were just talking last night uh, with some guys about how Doom Four or Doom Sixty Four is going to have like green blood as the default, mm-hmm. and the people are all like, "Oh fuck this man, they're going to fucking ruin Doom." And I'm like, "Dude, first of all, I'm colorblind, so I would never know the difference. <laughs> and second of all, like if that's what gets fucking a whole new generation of kids playing Doom on their Switch or whatever the fuck, and then maybe they go pick up a, a you know a PC somewhere, or, and then they mm. want to try the real thing, win for us, we all won." So mm. I don't care. I don't give a shit if it's green blood. Like makes more sense that monsters would have green blood to me. But <laughs> obviously, yeah. And then, <laughs> but you you, you mentioned true. you mentioned the FIFA <laughs> esports scene. What do you think about like uh, the the Olympic Games or considering hosting esports and in, in FIFA and stuff like that? I I actually don't believe esports needed. No, I don't either because. 
Because I believe that esport itself is so strong that it could create its own market and you don't need to be connected to something like Olympic Games. So if you ask me and if I would be the guy who should uh, dis- make this decision, I would say, no, we don't need esports in the Olympic Games. I and uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I will, I will go on because uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't play, for example, League of Legends. But have you seen the documentary they push on Netflix? It's like two days ago as well. No, I'll check it out. No? You definitely should because it's a really inter- uh, interesting points. One is that they build the audience worldwide and uh, they have like millions and millions of players each day playing uh, League of Legends. Mm-hmm. And they build it from uh, scratch to... Uh, I would dare to say one of the most profitable uh, esports mm-hmm. in general nowadays, and they build it with honest minds. And this is what I take from that uh, from that uh, documentary. I believe that uh, when you do something like this documentary, you make uh, stuff, let's say, more polished and more eye candy. That it w- it happened, yeah. but uh, in general. Uh, it was the moment when I kind of uh, like uh, have to push back my tear because they have huge issues when they were starting and they were honest with community and uh, they do right with the community yeah. back in that point. And they make this decision that kind of make it admirable for me that uh, they knew their audience and they are working with them. They they are part of that uh, whole flying circus, basically. And this is what you don't see nowadays. Because you see, I, I'm really sorry that I bring uh, better, uh, uh, Blizzard back to this conversation. But what you see uh, lately is so obvious and everywhere that uh, you see that the business of esports and gaming is shifting Yeah, in general. And it's shifting the way I don't like. Me neither. I don't like. I don't yeah. like the money extraction thing. I want yeah. it to be like be honest with your community, and your community will want to give you money. That's the way. Yeah, I see it. exactly, exactly. I do. I I do pay uh, from time to time to get some coins to quake champions to buy skins or whatever, because I want to support the guys. Yeah. When they have esports pack, I go. I I. Just play my part in it. But when you make it so obvious, like Blizzard is doing, then uh, I'm sorry. It's like, go fuck yourself. Because that's, that's not the way you, are, you should be doing it. And yeah, so no Olympics, man. <laughs> we don't need it. We are much stronger than sports and the whole Olympic uh, situation. Oh, because no. what's left? Man, what, yeah. what's left usually after Olympics are just deaths and a lot of free facilities that are not used anymore. It's just spending the money, spending the money, spending the money, and then throw it out of the window because nobody is using that uh, facilities anymore. So that's, that's uh, where Olympics should change. And that's one of the reasons why I say esports is a whole new genre. I don't think that we need the Olympics at all. I was just going to make the joke that yeah. it would be really funny if you had like an Olympic Games with Counter Strike and it was terrorists versus counter terrorists, but it was like, like, 
some some like I don't know. Russia is the the counter terrorist, and America are the terrorists. It'd be really fucking hilarious to see that on the big screen. That's all. But we could end up in some really interesting situations. Yeah, maybe it would be like political unstable situation. <laughs> we can't have that. But, can't stop that before it happens. But but the truth is that uh, there there are a lot of organizations trying to do this. Uh, yeah. World Cyber Games, for example. Electronics Sport World Cup, ESWC, but they kind of changed their uh, aim lately. So I believe that now the real fight is about the associations of esports. You know, that uh, people are trying uh, to make associations on, let's say, FIFA, NBA, NHL, whatever, but to make the esports associations that would gather players globally. And this is what I see lately, that a lot of uh, people are trying to build some kind of associations that are uh, trying to stay in contact with politicians and that uh, want to make like head of the esports in general. Yeah. Esports is On still the other hand, in the 80s, man. Like, yeah. think back to like... Uh... Think back to your 80s kung fu movies like Bloodsport or, you know, like Karate Kid and shit like or that. Kung Fury. Yeah, yeah. What what I like about the, the way that esports functions, at least definitely arena shooters, is that what we see is we have like these insular communities from different countries or different, you know, like townships, areas, whatever it happens to be. And then they kind of raise up their champion, you know, so like South America sends us a champion and like, or whatever, you know, America, we have Rafa, we have mm-hmm. hang. Uh, used to be, it was like East coast, West coast, you know, we had like the, yeah. you know, the West coast Bay area guys at rat, like even hip hop shit like that. And, and then you, in the Czech Republic, you might have your best player. Russia has, you know, their yeah. best players. We cool. lost fucking claws, man. That sucks. But yeah. I want claws <laughs> back bad. I love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we do, we just send them all like compete. And then we have this big fucking tournament at the end of the year. And there's like, we, we determine who's the best. Like, that's a fucking cool way to do it. Uh, yeah. having an organization like like an a, an NHL equivalent in esports, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it could definitely be cool, but it's also kind of scary because it's going to turn into big business really quickly, and it's not going to be. Uh, I believe that it's impossible. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, that yeah, because uh, you know, the main difference is that uh, each game, each IP, have its creators. And they are holding that rights. And this is where, again, I have to go back to Riot. Mm-hmm. They are all, they are gods, basically, for the, for the game. And there is no force in the world that will tell them you have to submit this uh, kind of, uh, you have to go through some kind of laws and you will obey somebody that is behind you because they created it. Yeah. They, they built it from the scratch. And... I can imagine Blizzard will uh, allow anybody to uh, tell them what they should do, unless they are from China. Uh-huh. <laughs> <clears throat> uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. So this is this this is what uh, I think they will maybe try to do, but you know, it's uh, it's kind of uh, it's kind of uh, that. Uh, those creators, the owners of the right, will suspend it to somebody, just to be some kind of organization. Because I believe that every every game had to build its own 
organization. That's a good for point. That example. That's a really good yeah. point. Yeah. And let's uh, also throw back to the back to the early days of uh, Checkquake, for example. Back at the time, there was a thing called uh, clannering. You can see it on the right side. It's inactive uh, on our website. And I kind of uh, go back to that uh, moment. And uh, I said, let's make clannering for Czech players or maybe make it wider. But clannering was something that every team that was part of the community have linked on their website. And it was a place where you can find everything about every player and every team. I could compare it to, let's say, Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, guys are trying to build uh, all the information into uh, uh, Liquidpedia uh, for the Quake community. But obviously, there are uh, not a lot of people working on it. So uh, those things are happening slow. But... Uh, this is this is what uh, should be built upon upon every every game. They should have their own organization because people who are interested in uh, League of Legends, StarCraft, uh, Quake, uh, Doom, whatever, yeah. they will never ever do something in other IP. Yeah, because because it's like they are everybody I, that I met are kind of hardcore fans dedicated to some IP and it's hard for them to switch or to do something something else. I think you pretty much killed that topic. Bam. Like you get <laughs> you educated me, man. Thank you. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> let's get back to let's get back to Quake. <laughs> okay. So what what excites you right now? Like you're you're covering the the Pro League very extensively and very well. And uh, like the top players have kind of like made themselves pretty apparent. Like it was really awesome. I was at QuakeCon when Kilson uh, won the first day of the tournament. And what have you seen grow since then? You mentioned earlier a little bit about like how, you know the weapons choices have changed and think the way that people are playing. Obviously, every time we see a big competition in Quake, we see uh, a shift. We'll see someone mm-hmm. do something, and then everybody starts doing that thing. Uh, but what players are exciting you right now, particularly? I I was trying to get that information <laughs> and I was trying to ask him but how did he get into Cooler's mind that he's not able to play this like this is like uh, number one topic uh, internally for me was and Marcel was kind of polite and he uh, didn't answer those questions and maybe I'm kind of happy that he did and uh yeah this is this is this is what i'm excited for i'm excited about uh wenger if he can uh make it uh in luca to the top position because i believe that he have the skills and power to uh, be on the top two and yeah and i'm i'm excited for cooler because uh, i he's one of the guy guys i need uh, i know maybe longest time from the community and uh, from his uh, Quake 3 era till today I'm a huge fan of uh, his approach and his game Um, I'm really excited about Rafa because I believe that he deserves to make a good uh, placement on the LAN 
And I don't know if you remember last year when uh, Luca was uh, uh, played. It was in that round base, and he was playing against the Rise, and it was a real close game on Vale of Nut. And that was one of the few moments uh, in Quake when I was really shouting at, uh, at my PC, and I was cheering for him because I was so hyped for him that he have to compete that turn around and succeed. So these, these players, for example. There are a lot of stories because, uh, you know, Garpe is one of the oldest players as well mm. in the pool. And he he officially uh, basically closed his uh, professional activities last year. And he's still playing. He's, uh, he can still surprise. And yeah, that, that I basically, when I look at the rooster, of the European players, I believe that every, every single one, except uh, for uh, for Wenger, I met personally. So it's like there are extra layer for me in this. Yeah. So I just want to see excited games. I want to see how the game will evolve, and uh, I kind of want to learn stuff from those people. And that's that's what I hope for. That we will have a great show in Italy in two weeks. Some of the time it's really cool because my favorite players are not necessarily the best players. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Yeah. So I mean we could all sit here and say like you know, who's who's the greatest player, or like the best player, who gets the most wins, who has the best stats or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then there's the players that are just the most exciting to watch. Just why I was talking about yeah. Claws earlier. Uh yeah. Cy Gibb falls onto that list. Um, uh-huh. definitely Vanger. It's been really fun over the past, like since quick champions kind of like became, uh, the prominent thing going on to watch him grow as a player. And like, cause he kind of came on the scene, like, just like, Whoa, what the fuck is this guy up to? Like, what is he on? What is he doing? Like that? He's so like, just so good. And like, mm-hmm. does he have a background in quick before quake champions that you're aware of? I'm not sure. He, yeah, he played, uh, quake life. I okay. Believe. Okay. Yeah, I believe he played a few tournaments in that in that game. Okay. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. I, so I'm not as in tune with the uh, the current standings of Quake Champions nearly as much as you are, and I don't think yeah. anyone is because that's kind of your thing is you you monitor it so so closely. Can't say that uh, I can uh, make uh, those informations that I'm producing into into the let's say final assumption who is uh, best yeah because every single match is different mm-hmm. and there are just some some points that uh like uh make you interested because you know that uh cooler basically uh owned whole uh quake here uh if you have that basic groups he won most matches mm-hmm. And yet he wasn't able to play equal equal, equal game with Skillson. You know what I mean? This is it's like player to player, because um, I can I can compare it uh, to that uh, low rank I was playing back in the Quake Three. That uh, if you are practicing with somebody, uh, you knew how to play him, 
and you play different game compared to uh, to um, let's say public. And same is with quick champions because when you play on ladder, I meet guys that are uh, below my level, and they basically destroyed me. I've been there. And We've all been I don't. I don't know what what to do. You are just lost in this map. And uh, just before we start this uh, interview, I was playing with Actino, which is one of the Russian, let's say, mid tier players that was part of, of the challengers and also uh, FPS cups back in the day. And uh, I know that uh, he's good player. And I kind of stopped before the game, and I say, okay, I will uh, put everything I can into this game. I was lucky I hit some good rackets. And basically after five minutes, I was uh, six to zero and he left the match. <laughs> and it was something I did not expect it because I was, I was prepared to get beaten to shit, you know? And this, 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 this is that uh, play style of every single player is so different that uh, comparing those uh, two players will uh, like uh, put a, a different results, if you understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like, for sure. You can say this one, this player is best. You can say okay, Rafa is best. But when you took uh, took uh, like closer look to his stats, he does not uh, exceed in any uh, thing that I'm measuring. Basically, but he doesn't that... have best rackets. He doesn't do most damage. You know, St stats do not measure. Um... Map control scale, yeah, yes, yeah, that's know, true. Like that, that's the thing is like you could aim is important, you know, but it's either mm -hmm. hit or miss, it's there or not. Yeah. And a lot of it, you know, it doesn't cover spam rockets, you know, at mm -hmm. all. Yeah, it's nothing yeah. to do with your aim. It's like a matter of like where you're trying to deny them an area, and it does not yes. measure your ability to control a map, mm -hmm. even if it's like, that's true. Item timings is even you know up in the air, like you don't. Necessary. I've seen Avic do this shit, man. I think it was QuakeCon last year, maybe, maybe, maybe it was DreamHack. But Avic is yeah. like the best fucking passive player I've ever seen. Like he could just go so long without getting an item at all and just mm -hmm. move around a map like no one's business. And yeah, and and he he definitely spent a lot uh, uh, to cover the ground. Yeah. So uh, his his stats are like lowest one from anybody if you if you just took a look on the racket so yeah that, that's true and actually that was a really interesting game i left uh, in a pro league it was when cooler was playing uh, with wenger on corrupted keep wenger started the map uh, and he was owning mm -hmm. and then cooler took control and for four minutes he denied every fucking single item on the map from wenger and he managed to tie the game. Then he lose control again. But uh, that type of control, uh, you can see in the Coolers game, was so inspiring for me that I changed the way I played the map. Because I say, yeah, this is the way how you should play the map. How should you put the order to the items? And you fucking took everything from your opponent. And then you can just use that rack, uh, that shotgun that you learn from Rafa, and you combine those play styles. And this is this is why I'm so happy about uh, Pro League. Yeah. Because you have week by week new stuff, and 
this is this is i believe uh, back to that topic when community should make some kind of feedback to every single people involved in this happening from sync error 04 tokyo punk punch out even casters zoot uh, catch up whatever name them you know it's like they are chucky i didn't hear about the guy before he probably is originating from the uh, counter-strike and he's bringing so much emotion and so much personality into into uh, shoutcast yeah that i believe that instead of fucking everybody and everywhere all the time which is kind of tradition in quake community i don't know why but uh, i always felt it like that there is always more hate than than uh, let's say clapping on your shoulder you did good job it's easier and, to yeah it's easier yeah, to obviously. explain than yeah. it is to like yeah. help like just Put put your big boy pants on and cheer people on. Yes, yeah, it's, it's hard, yeah. honestly. Yeah, that's why I do I do it every time. I I speak with uh, Shazik and every everybody else. It's like yeah, you you did a great job because yeah. they did. They spent eight hours shoutcasting Americas and Europe for us. I'm tired, man. I'm just watching the game. Okay, I have kids. They they have a uh, day before free, obviously. But at the midnight, when the last games of Americas are finishing, I am fucking dying at that at that computer, and I want to see the, those games. I can obviously watch them later. Yeah. But you know, I want to see them, and they are, they are still bringing the information what's going on. They are insightful. And yeah, this this is where you deserve some um, shoutouts from 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 people from community, because ninety nine percent of those guys that are bitching around didn't do anything for anybody. They are just there to say screw you. Yeah, you fuck this, 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 this. You know why? Why so much hatred? I don't know, dude. We can't fix that problem. All we can do is just be like, lead by example. You just you know, like you're doing an excellent <laughs> job with it. You're, you're very positive. Uh, I try to be positive as much as I can. Everybody, no, you're amazing, man. Thank you. Yeah, doing an amazing job. Uh, Nia, like I think we, we're about an hour and twenty minutes in. Do you want to kind of get out of here? Closing thoughts? Anything? This, I think that what I said was just closing thought, but. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of glad that I'm part. Of, I can be part of this community, and I'm glad that uh, you decided to pick me for your podcast yeah. that I like. And I hope that uh, people that can change both appearance of community and uh, also the game will make most. Possi- or, or best possible job to do so because uh, Quake was there and I hope it will be for a few more years at least it will be cool you know I can I can shut uh, my PC I can spend uh, out time with my kid and uh, I love to do so but 
you know, every night when everybody fell into their bed, I'm really glad that I can join some mayhem on the servers because it's kind of relaxing, you know. And yeah, I hope to see all the guys in Luca and to see maybe you on the QuakeCon next year. It all depends if I'm able to, let's say, save money for it. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. If you can make it, I'll be there for sure. Like I'm never gonna miss QuakeCon again, dude. It's the best. It's a party yeah. every time. Yeah, but it's like for for me, those those events are really because you know. It's like I don't want to uh, end on the sad note, but uh, when family is involved and when you have to travel to uh, QuakeCon to America, mm. it's it's really demanding both on time and money. So you know, it's like I was promising myself that uh, to 2019 I will be back, but I didn't manage to do so because of some personal issues, but. Hope so that I will come back because it's a great party. I have no children, so I'll try to make it over to Europe and then we'll hang out there. How's that sound? <laughs> okay. Okay. You can stay in my house. Okay, cool. I'll sleep okay. uh, right over there by your broke or your, your new window. You can put me a bed right there. <laughs> take care, man. No, it will be no it will be it would be changed by the time you arrive. But yeah, take care and thank you for your time mm-hmm. and for everything you do for community.